Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Ian Hargitz, and today we will continue our team preview series with the Indianapolis Colts. If you have not checked them out already, please see completed AFC North, NFC North, and Houston Texans fantasy football-themed team previews. We'll be going through all 32 teams between now and week one. So, without further ado, your 2020 Indianapolis Colts fantasy football team preview. Phillip Rivers, new man under center. He has experience with Frank Reich going back to their days in San Diego together. And now he gets the best offensive line of his career. PFS number one ranked unit. All five starters back with the big uglies. And there's some talent here in Indianapolis. Is it Eckler, Williams, Keenan Henry type of talent? No, but T.Y. Hilton, plenty of good running backs, young wide receivers. It's easy to see Rivers making this Indianapolis Colts team the squad that everyone wants the 2020 Tampa Bay Buccaneers to be. Was Rivers good last year? No. In fact, he was closer to bad than I think a lot of people realize. I mean, only Jameis Winston, Kyle Allen, and Daniel Jones had more turnover-worthy plays than Rivers last year. I thought his, you know, token sidearm teardrop deep ball that he's consistently somehow found its way into, you know, tight coverage windows into his receiver's lap over these years, it was fluttering more than ever. I mean, it was bad at certain points, and the ways that they found Ways to lose games just became comical by the halfway point. So, didn't look good last year. But, like we're doing with Big Ben, I mean, we can't just assume that 2019 was the be-all, end-all, end-of-the-road for the guy. I mean, Rivers in 2018 averaged a gaudy 8.7 adjusted yards per attempt. I mean, you know, was looking like they could maybe take it to the Patriots there for a second before, you know, all hell broke loose and the Chargers went south again. But, Guy turns 39 in December. He's never exactly won uh, with his arm strength anyway. I could see more of a run-first offense. Rivers takes his foot off the gas a little more than he has because, hey, now he's got what should, again, be a very solid defense, great offensive line, maybe a better run game than he's been used to. I could see him becoming more of the game manager, veteran type that they probably brought him in to be. With that said, that's not what we want for fantasy purposes. And this has been a guy who has never really given us high upside fantasy performances. I mean, shout out ESPN's Matthew Berry, one of the best stats of the offseason. Rivers has never had a game with at least 30 fantasy points in it. There's just no rushing floor here. You know, maybe he can rejoin the 30-touchdown club this year, but it's going to be tough in what's likely going to be a run first offense. I am passing on Rivers. It is worth noting, though, I, I did a uh, article series on the best backup QB rooms in the league, and I thought the Colts have the second best. I mean, with uh, Jacoby Brissett having proven to be, uh, you know, below average NFL starter, that's a lot better than most teams can claim in their backup QB room. And I am still, still a proud member of the Chad, aka Swag Kelly fan club, everyone. So, do not give up on that dude just yet, even if he is a knucklehead from time and time again. So that's the quarterback room. Moving on to running backs, let's quickly go back into the past for a second. Because in 2015, Frank Reich running you know, the Chargers offense, they drafted a young Wisconsin first-round running back by the name of Melvin Gordon. Now, did Melvin Gordon get the big role that everyone assumed their first-round running back would get? No. In fact, Danny Woodhead was the PPR RB3 that year, worked ahead of MG3 for a lot of it. And yeah, this has been the case for Reich's career as a play caller. He has used committees at almost every single turn, and he has not been always willing to give in to the idea that 
you know, the bell cow they're supposed to have ends up being that guy. Woodhead is right his only top 20 PPR back as an OC or head coach. I mean, it's just, it's not been all that pretty. And I realize that's been the past. Has Reich ever had a running back like Jonathan Taylor? It's a fair question. He really hasn't been, you know, overflowed with a bunch of super relevant backs. And to be fair, that top 20 number, you know, if Marlon Mack didn't get hurt these last two seasons, he had a very good chance of cracking in to the lower end of that. So I'm just concerned with the chances of Taylor getting this 300-touch workload that a lot of people hope for. I think it's going to be a bit closer to 200 because we just look at the most recent relevant sample size. And that was the last four weeks of the season when Marlon Mack was back from injury. And what we saw was Mack was the RB1 overall, particularly on early downs, though. And then they would use Jordan Wilkins or Jonathan Williams to kind of spell him on some early downs. And then Naeem Hines was his own beast as a pass down back. And I know people have just tried to compare Hines to Eckler. No, that's wrong. Eckler is worlds better than Hines. But Hines is good enough to be a poor man's version of Eckler and keep maintaining the pass down and two-minute work that he's already had before he got Phillip Rivers, who, as we all know, is, you know, more than prone to throwing to his RB. So when we got Wrights talking about Hines having 10-plus reception games in 2020, I, mean, I don't think he's saying that just to blow smoke up the dude's butt during the offseason. I think Hines is going to continue to be their pass down back. So even though Taylor, well, in all likelihood, over you know, pass up Mac in the depth chart sooner rather than later. I don't think the pass down work is going to be there. Hey, it could be a fancy friendly 200 uh, touches behind that amazing offensive line. But just realize, I think the ceiling on Taylor in 2020 does won't match his talent as much as it will in 2021 once Mac is feasibly out of the equation. So moving on to the wide receiver room. We got some talent here. I mean, a little bit aging. T.Y. Hilton, contract year though, Stu wants to prove that he can do a little more than he has without Andrew Luck. And then we got returning Paris Campbell, Zach Pascal, rookie Michael Pittman, and returning Marcus Johnson. So quickly on T.Y. Hill, because we do have some concerning splits here. With Andrew Luck throughout his career, 15.5 PPR points per game. 36 games without Andrew Luck. That's uh, that's a big sample there. 36 games, 11.6 PPR points without Andrew Luck. So a lot of that is Jacoby Brissett under center. And, you know, I just wonder, he's always been a little bit of a situational receiver. I mean, he's got similarly extreme splits indoors versus outdoors. I would have loved for T.Y. to have been an overqualified wide receiver, too, at some point. I mean, you just think back to the passing games that Andrew Luck had. He got Eric Ebron to score like 14 or 15 touchdowns in the year 2018. I mean, I just think... Hilton's one of the most underrated receivers of the last 10 years. Like, I'm not trying to take anything away from that dude. He more than performed as a wide receiver one for plenty of seasons over the last decade. I just wonder how good some of those offenses could have been, you know, if his wide receiver two wasn't, you know, a washed Andre Johnson or whoever it might have been at the time. So we'll see. Hey, Keenan Allen has been putting up numbers with Phillip Rivers over the last three seasons. I don't think this offense is going to, you know, result in Hilton getting 150-plus targets in the same way Keenan's been able to do, but I definitely think T.Y. at this point in his career is still plenty capable of returning, you know, some borderline, yeah, borderline wide receiver one, at least top 20 production as the number one wide receiver for Phillip Rivers-led offense. I mean, only the Panthers had a lower catchable percentage of deep balls than the Colts last season. This was not a pretty offense, even though I did like some of the off-script things Jacoby did from time to time. So quickly, I don't think... 
the rest of these guys are going to be all that fancy relevant this year. Again, I, this is going to be more of a run-first offense than I think most are giving the Colts credit for. Uh, Pascal is good enough to maybe keep Pittman on the bench for a little bit, but I wouldn't expect it to be too long. You don't draft wide receivers in the top two rounds to sit them immediately. And Pittman provides some of that bigger body contested catchability that's missing from this offense. I mean, I, I zeroed in on Pittman and Justin Jefferson as real potential rookies that could lead their team in receiving scores as early as 2020. So, uh, you know, future's bright for Pittman. I just think maybe in this version of the Colts offense, not so much. Paris Campbell would be my pick to, you know, provide something resembling wide receiver three production if things swing his way. You know, as a longtime Ohio State truther and homer, uh, I don't want to get my sights too too overset on Campbell. Because, look, I didn't, watching him come up throughout the ranks, you know, in college, I never thought of him as this super polished wide receiver one. A lot of problems with drops when he was getting the ball. A lot of gadgety kind of pop passes and things like that. Uh, you know, famously, I think, didn't, like, have a catch over 20 yards during his final season at Ohio State. If he did, it wasn't many. But then we went into last year, and this dude just couldn't stay healthy. But when he was on the field, we saw the same angle of racing speed, and we even had Reich and other people hyping him up in training camp saying, no, no, he can be way more than just a gadget type. We think he's a true wide receiver one. So, you know, history of wide receivers that don't do anything year one, coming back and doing more, isn't spectacular. I don't know how many opportunities could be there for Campbell, but he can make the most of them. I still think the future is bright for Campbell. Going on to tight end room. I've seen a lot of Jack Doyle hype. I hope everyone realizes that they have signed Trey Burton to replace Eric Ebron. And, I mean, they have Mo Alley-Cox there, too. They didn't want to let get away. I have a very hard time believing Jack Doyle is going to get this 90%-plus role and just be the featured guy. I mean, he was that in 2017 with Jacoby Brissett, and he managed to do enough good things to be a fantasy tight end one. But, I mean, that was before Ebron was in the picture. And, again, you know, Reich adding Burton, who they worked together in Philly, that's troubling for me. So I just think the floor and ceiling for both guys is low as long as they're healthy. And honestly, even an injury to one of them, I think Mo Alley-Cox has done enough things to that organization to probably get in there. I'm largely fading the Colts' tight end room. Just, you know, I understand Rivers has enabled plenty of fantasy-friendly tight ends over the years. But to me, this looks like a two, if not three, tight end committee. And there are just more athletic and better options available throughout the league in the later rounds of fantasy drafts. So, uh, verdicts in my fantasy ranks for each dude. I have Rivers as my QB 26. One spot behind Drew Locke, one spot ahead of Sam Darnold. Don't draft him, guys. There's just not enough with fantasy ceiling. We've seen this time and time again. New offensive line, great, but we just, we're not going to get the spike weeks. Running back, I've dropped Taylor as my RB24. One spot behind Devin Singletary, one spot ahead of Raheem Mostert. Just concerned about that overall touch ceiling. And, you know, to, to get Taylor, hey, keeper leagues, rookie, you know, he's my rookie RB2. I'm not hating on the guy at all, but I just think, you know, anything above that RB2 borderline might be wishful thinking in terms of volume. Marlon Max, my RB53. Naeem Hines, RB55. I don't want running backs where if guys get hurt, their their backups are now going to be in committees. And to me, that's Mac. That's Carrion Johnson. I don't want these incumbent veterans that are going to lose their job at some point. Even if the rookie gets hurt, we have plenty of evidence that they're not going to be in a committee. I mean, Mac was one of my just, you know, my rankings versus ADP. I am far lower on Mac than most. He's a great player. Like, there's nothing against Marlon Mack. And maybe he makes some things happen in the first few weeks. But, you know... We, 
Taylor and Mac are both not going to ball out for the whole season. Maybe it's Mac ahead of Taylor for a little bit. I have a very hard time believing we're going to see this thunder and lightning two, you know, great early down RBs while Hines does his thing. I think you need to set your flag with one of these guys and let the other two go for the most part. Hines as a later round dude and hope he gets that Eckler role. A little bit different, but especially the early down guys that aren't going to get the three down role if someone gets hurt, stay away. I have T.Y. Hilton as my wide receiver 23, one spot behind Cortland Sutton, one spot ahead of A.J. Green. Look, in this wide receiver 20 range, just take a, you know, before you fade these guys, just realize being the undisputed number one pass game option of your offense is rare, and that's exactly what Hilton has. Paris Campbell is my wide receiver 54, one spot behind John Brown, one spot ahead of Christian Kirk. Speed kills everyone. He's got plenty of it. Michael Pittman is my wide receiver 66, one spot uh, behind Randall Cobb, one spot ahead of Hunter Renfro. Just some slot guys being dudes. But Pittman, you know, he's got that touchdown upside. Uh, best years to come for him. Jack Doyle is my tight end 20. One spot behind Dallas Goddard. One spot ahead of Jace Sternberger. So, win total is 9. Hey, Colts added DeForest Buckner. They are so strong up the middle. They got Darius Leonard at LB. Maybe even a great version of Malik Hooker is still on the horizon. There's my Buckeye homerism getting the best of me again. Apologies, everyone. But amazing offensive line. They took down the Chiefs in Arrowhead last season with Mahomes under center. I mean, this team is far more complete than most give them credit for. I think the nine win total is perfect. I'm going to take the over, though. I do think the Colts... Uh, you know, deserve to be the favorites of the AFC AFC South going this season, and I'm excited to see what they can do. I don't think it'll be the most fancy-friendly situation, but in terms of a real-life contender, I think the Colts have everything it takes to do so in 2020. So that concludes this podcast. Thank you all for listening, and until the next one, I am Ian Hardit saying, have a great day. <laughs>